0: Matthew chapter 9 verses 27 through 31 This is a passage that you probably know. It's not anything profound, if you will. If there is a such thing, I tend to think that everything in this book is profound. Do you agree? <laughs> everything in this book should be profound. Everything here from Genesis to Revelation is imported. It's all inspired by God and God breathed. And so we believe that and we believe the whole Bible, rightly divided. And before long, we'll have a church of God, declaration of faith lesson going on here. I believe there's not a, an insignificant piece of the scripture, period. And so this passage when I was reading this week and seeking the Lord... It just jumped out at me in a different way. And I did what, if you were here Wednesday night, what Mark Batterson tried to teach us to do. And I told you that that is the way most sermons are written. is you sit down with a piece of text, you go through the setting. You want to know what, what people are involved. What's the setting? What did it mean in its context? Because if we're not careful, we'll take Scripture out of context because we need it to apply to us, which it does 100% of the time, but we need to know what the writer originally meant in order for us to understand what God's saying. You with me? And then I told you that there's always Mark, I didn't tell you actually, Mark told you that um, there's always truths that can be found that are eternal. And so anytime you open up scripture, if you're seeking God, you can look for something from the dullest part of Leviticus to the most exciting part of John. John's a good gospel. I like John. You can always find something if you are seeking the timeless truth that is there that applied throughout all eternity. And so I believe that today, maybe in this passage, we will see some of these. So John, us and John, Matthew chapter 9, verses 27 through 31. It says, when Jesus departed from there, and he is departing from healing a little girl, raising her to life, it says the two blind men followed him crying out, saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? And they said to him, Yes, Lord. He touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, let it be to you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus sternly warned them, saying, See that no one knows it. But when they had departed, they spread the news about him and all that country. I want to look at this whole idea and if there's a title that we would put with this it would simply be let us see let us see there's several different parts of this that I want to break down and I want to draw your attention to but we need to know the backstory because we're talking about context Jesus is on a healing spree if you will by no means a killing spree he's on a healing spree he has healed several people leading up to this. He is uh, walking through. He, as, as he goes throughout the streets, people are coming up. We just watched him uh, go to the house of where this little girl was dead. He raised her up. He said, hey, go get her something to eat. We have watched him uh, heal the, the woman that had the issue of blood. And he's on his way. He's departed from there. He's departed from that place. And now he's made his way into a house. And he, he is being followed by these two blind men. And so, um, as we walk through, I'm going to do what I would typically do, and I'm just going to break this down as we walk through this passage. Jesus departed from there. Two blind men, somebody say, followed him. Follow him. These blind men followed Jesus. They were pursuing after Jesus. First of all, let's take into the reality of the fact that we have a hard time following Jesus when we can actually see. Can you imagine what it would have been like for them that are blind? <laughs> I don't know what they really tripped over. I don't know what they really had to deal with. I don't know who they had maybe leading them. All I know is, is that text says that when Jesus departed, the blind men followed him. Not only did they follow him, they were shouting at him trying to grab his attention. They were pursuing after Jesus. And it had to have created Some things that, some obstacles, they had to have tripped. And and I don't know, my mind kind of paints a picture so often of Scripture. And I see Jesus walking, and I see these two blind men, like, scrounging, trying to get to Jesus, and they're tripping over themselves. They're trying to get back up, and and they're just trying to follow the crowd. And this is the way my mental picture paints Scripture. Maybe you can paint it whatever way you want to. All I know is Jesus left, and the blind men followed, shouting at him. If he had been right here, they would have had no need to shout, right? Right? They're pursuing Jesus. They're pursuing Him and they're overcoming their obstacles to do so. They're doing whatever they have to do to get in front of Jesus. And, and I believe it directly relates with us because so often we don't have all the answers. We don't have sometimes any answers, but we don't know what it is that God is, is where he's headed. We don't know where he's going. We don't know what it looks like. Jesus is always uh, several steps in front of us. We know he's going before us, right, to my tomorrow and into the next day to organize and orchestrate the people that I'm going to come in contact with, the demons that I'm going to have to fight. So I know he's in front of me always. He's also behind me and beside me and all around me. But I know that he's in front of me. So I am like a blind man following Jesus, trying to get closer and closer and closer, uh, trying to overcome whatever obstacle that I have to overcome. I'm thankful to know that it's okay for life to trip me up. Right? I I sat down yesterday and I I was just... In this mindset, to read Psalm one nineteen, and I read the whole psalm and over and over and over. David's talking about how you've brought me out of this mistake, you've brought me out of where I was, and you, yeah, I'm not there yet. He said, "I'm going to keep your commandments. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be who you need me to be." And so it gives me hope to know that the man that had a heart after God had his failures and flaws, right? He was stumbling. He was tripping up. He was messing up. I'm thankful that whenever life trips me up, I can still hop up and take off running, chasing Jesus. But first of all, we have to understand that these men were pursuing, they were following after Jesus. We cannot stop pursuing Jesus. We must constantly be following, learning, and experiencing life with Jesus, not only did they pursue Jesus, though, but it also says that in verse 28, when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him. It actually worked out that they never caught him outside the house. That's an important thought for me, because you and I are gathered today in the house of the Lord. In the house where he was staying, he went in, they followed. Can we just get to the place to understand, if you will with me, that when Jesus is in the house, people show up. I did a search this morning. I was trying to figure out how many churches are in Fayetteville, and I don't know that anybody's ever taken the time to count because there's nowhere that I could find that. I know that there's at least 40, and don't hold me to this, this was Google, that popped up that boasts to be over 100 years old. 40 churches in Fayetteville that are over 100 years old. There are an insane number of churches in Fayetteville. Of all the houses that these blind men could have walked into, they couldn't see. They're relying on maybe somebody leading them, guiding them, directing them. They're relying on, on, on just to know, hey, there's something different about this guy. We need him. There's a drawing to him. I don't know what it was that showed them which house to walk into, but of all the houses on the street, they went into the house where Jesus was present. We have to, to have a place. Our hearts should be burdened Always. To create an atmosphere in a place where Jesus is present. Because when there's Jesus, when, when Jesus is in the house, say Jesus is everywhere. Yes, God is completely omnipresent. He is in every house of the Lord that is a Bible. T- I believe that he's in every house that is a Bible teaching church. No question. But there's something different when there's a move of Jesus in the house. You with me? There's something different that takes place when God's spirit is moving and and it's working and, and he's working in our lives. And when we experience that, people come into the house. They go into the house. The second part that's interesting to me about this story, and if you're reading a New Living Translation, it might say this a little different, but what they were shouting to Jesus was, Son of David, have mercy on us. They didn't actually ask to be healed. Your New Living Translation Bible might say that, but we dig down a little deeper to the original. That translation's grabbing the heart. Of course they wanted to be healed, right? They wanted to see. But what the, the true words, what they really said was, Son of David, have mercy on us. They didn't ask to be healed what does that matter of course jesus touched their eyes he said do you want to be healed we'll go through that in a second and they were healed but here's the whole thought process for me is that when we actually pursue jesus when we get to the house when we're standing in front of jesus and we have an opportunity to ask for anything isn't there something more probably than our physical healing that we actually need him to do When he makes us whole, when I say, son of David, have mercy on me, have forgiveness, give me salvation, fill my life, make me full, the physical issues become a lot smaller, if not deceased altogether. They were healed. There's no question. They walked out the door and can see. But I I have a hard time believing that their heart and their words, maybe it got misconstrued somewhere through translation. They said, son of David, have mercy on us. They didn't say, hey, we need some eyesight. Have mercy on us. And it made me question, what is it that we're actually pursuing God for? Because so often we're pursuing God for the thing we can see, in case they can't see we're pursuing God for that tangible thing, that next situation where we need God to do this. We need this breakthrough. We need this in our life. We need that in our life. We need God to wipe that out of our life that we don't need anymore. And I just, I couldn't help but think in this text, what if we just pursued God in a way that we just said, son of David, God, have mercy on me, whatever it looks like. If this thing has to stay, if it has to go, if it never clears out of my way, whatever it looks like, God, I just want your fullness in my life. I just want to be full of you. It asked to be healed. They were crying out for help, but it wasn't for vision. There's a, core, a, a clear correlation, if you will, between mercy and healing. They cried out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And in result, they were healed. Right? I I see, though, because all throughout Scripture we see it, the nature of Jesus. Jesus didn't just give them vision. That's not who Jesus was. When the lady with the issue of blood touched Jesus just a few verses before, He looked at her and said, daughter, you've been made well. Go and sin no more. The physical healing wasn't all that took place. There was so much more that took place inside that individual and inside of these two men in this moment. And they're crying out for mercy. They need God's fullness. They need God's love and his goodness on their life. And as God pours that out on them, healing comes along with it. I've learned that when God has mercy on me, when he's poured out his love on me as a whole, my physical issues are smaller than they ever were. Because when I'm full of joy, and I told you that the devil wants to suck it out of our life, But when I'm standing firm on the joy, the physical issues may hurt. They might even be what kills us physically. But in the grand scheme of things, they don't matter a whole lot. Because when I'm full of God, when I'm full of his presence, when I'm seeking his mercy, my healing is eternal, not just here on earth. Those gentlemen could see But what was so much bigger was the fact that they then had, I believe, this salvation. They were full of mercy. Third thing is, they were healed according to their faith. Jesus asked them the question You believe I'm able to do this? I think, still in their mind, there's this whole. Difference of conversation, Jesus is talking about making them whole, making them complete. In their mind, they're thinking, he's going to let me see. Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Their response is, yes, Lord. And he touches their eyes and he says, according to your faith, let it be to you. According to your faith, let it be to you. I told you last week or week before sometime, I was talking about the revivals that are taking place all across the globe. That are these unreal revivals with thousands and thousands of young people being saved and not only saved, but being filled with the Holy Spirit. And we don't see the same response here in our nation. A country founded on godly principles. One nation that's under God, but yet we don't see revival breaking out and exploding. Well, do we believe you can do this? Yes, Lord. Then according to your faith, be it to you. I have to wonder, how often are we asking God for things, for God to move the things that are big in our life, God, we need you to do something huge and miraculous, but then we really have to stop and say, well, do we have the faith to believe he actually would do that? These fellas have pursued Jesus blindly. They overcome whatever naturally they had to overcome to get there. They found the house. They went in the house. They stood before him. And then it wasn't actually their healing that they asked for, but they asked for mercy. And then it was according to their faith then they were made whole. And so I have to ask myself, what if, according to their faith, their family's issues were instantly healed? How, How do we know that this faith stopped with them? How do we know this healing incident stopped with them? How do we know that if we begin to pray and ask God to move in my life and I and ask God, God, I need your fullness in my life. And I've got faith that he's going to fill me up. How do we know that according to my faith, my babies won't be instantly full of God's presence. My wife won't be instantly full of God's presence. How do we know that, that this isn't going to take place? How do we know that God's not going to move in this powerful way, starting with us as each as individuals, because according to our faith, let it be to us. We have no clue what God could do. We have no idea what God wants to do, because according to our faith, He is doing for us. It was according to their faith. We talked about that two weeks ago, whenever we talked about the lady pouring the oil into the vessels her faith could be measured numerically by the number of vessels that she gathered. According to her faith, let it be to her, what would have happened if she'd have never stopped gathering vessels? What what, what difference would have been made? We know that she had enough money, if you will, off of these vessels to be able to pay off the debt and for her and her sons to live on. But what would have happened if according to her faith she'd have kept collecting and could have begun pouring out on other people and blessing other people outside of that abundance? According to their faith. So it was. Our faith needs to be big but only as big as a mustard seed the third thing the last thing it's actually the fourth one is they made Jesus famous I heard a preacher say this week I was watching some of the youth camp videos he said he was aggravated with preachers using Jesus to get famous Rather, we should want to be used to make Jesus famous. He was tired of preachers using Jesus to get famous. But rather, we should want to be used to make Jesus famous. When it's more about us than Jesus, we're in trouble. We actually were in trouble long before it got to that point. When it becomes about a name more than God's presence, we lost it. There's a church in Goldsboro. that I was just kind of mind blown a while back. The church was trying to change its name. Went through the process. Believed wholeheartedly they were changing because God was leading them in this direction. They were leading them in this whole new vision. God God was leading them a whole new vision. Pushed things through. Changed it. Got ready to buy new signs. Had spent this money on branding. And this other church shows up and says, Hey, you can't use our church name. This is a church that's not within any close radius of the other church. But that church is pushing a brand. The church is pushing a name. All they want to do is let people know that when you see this on a sign, you know who we are. Nothing reflects to Jesus. When you see this name, this is, this is, what, this is where you should go, this is how you should, should move. And so we had this other church that basically had to backstep because it wasn't worth the legal battle to try to sort this out because all they want to do is make Jesus famous. And that's small, and you think, yeah, church politics and this, that, but it all started with a person who had a desire to be bigger than themselves and who wanted their brand to be bigger than Jesus. And that what happened with Satan. Isn't that what got him cast out of heaven? That although he was musically gifted not even the word, musically created, if you will, every being, every part of him whenever he moved was an instrument. And instead of him just realizing God had created him to be who he was and just Do what you were created to do. Lead worship, Satan. Lucifer, lead worship. Okay, but I want people to see me in the process. That's what got him cast out of heaven. These men, although they were told not to, Jesus said, "See that no one knows about it." But when they had started, they had, when they departed, they spread the news about him in all that country. The New Living Translation here, I like the wording. Said that they spread his fame all over the country. It was all about making Jesus famous. It wasn't, "Hey, running up, look at me! Hey, I can see things I've never seen. I've done this. I, I." I. But it was like, "Hey." Let me tell you about this man that, that healed me. He made me whole. And in that wholeness, now I can see, but he made me somebody that I've never been before. The word tells us that we're overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, so why is it that it's so often we have such a hard time testifying? I love the whole idea of, of the way church used to be done where we would have testimony night or we'd have a moment where you come in and you testify it gets a little scary when you're the preacher because you never know what somebody's going to say but if we're honest maybe that wasn't easy because you didn't like speaking in front of people but it was comfortable because we're in the four walls and we're here with like believers And so it's easy to share what God's done for us in this environment. Maybe not easy for some, but it's a whole lot easier than if I told you to go outside and do it. Right? But God's done so much for us. He has let us see, not physically, spiritually. If you've been made whole and you've sought after the mercy of God, You can see in a way that you've never seen before. So why is it that we hold on? These fellas, if you told me not to go testify or you told me to keep my mouth shut, I would probably thank you. Just be real. Because I ain't the one that wants to go spread this all over town. Not because it's not good, but because it's not my personality to go be the extrovert and talk to every person under the sun. Jesus said, keep this between us. Don't, don't let anybody know about it. Okay, Jesus, peace. And they spread it to all the countries out. They couldn't keep it to themselves. There was no way they could keep it to themselves. Because when God's done something this good in you, When he saved you, when he saved your family, when he gave you food to eat for the rest of the day today, when he's done something incredible for you, there's no way that we can keep it to ourselves. How do we do it? Why is the joy being sucked out of our life? Maybe it's because we build a dam of our testimony and we're not letting the testimony flow out. And so the testimony that's dammed up inside of us is getting stagnant and that's what's still in the joy. Let us see, Lord, how to make the difference. They pursued him. I've never been blinded. Closest I've ever been is getting my eyes dilated at the eye doctor, and that's miserable. I can't imagine what it would have been like. Blindfold me. One of the only lock-ins I ever went to as a teenager. I was blindfolded and we're playing some kind of crazy game and I busted my knee bad that night. Might be why I never went back to another lock-in. Might be why I was the youth pastor that always thought more logically than creative and fun. This is a bad idea. I can't imagine what it would have been like for these men. But they never stopped pursuing Jesus. They never stopped chasing after him all the way into the house, they followed him. They didn't ask to be healed. They asked for mercy, for wholeness, for the presence of God to be in their life. Can I do this? Yes, Lord, you can. According to their faith, they were healed and then they would made Jesus famous. we need to model this I believe a little better than we do would you stand with me seasons done a lot of things I looked through our Eastern North Carolina church statistical report yesterday or day before which you care nothing about. I was amazed to see the numbers. The Sunday morning attendance on this report from years past report. Because we've got churches You're here. I'm not talking about you. You heard my heart, I hope, when you read the letter that I sent to you. My heart's burdened. It's not just this church. It's churches in general, and it is the Christian believers. We saw a group of people that were shallow float away and drift away into something else in life. We saw a group of people that were rooted in their faith, who said, it doesn't matter what trips me up. It don't matter what kind of wall I run into because I can't see where I'm going. It don't matter what's in front of me. I'm going to keep pursuing. It don't matter if I fall, I bust my knee. It don't matter if I fall, I break a leg. I'm going to keep making my way to Jesus. We saw a group of people that were rooted go even deeper. It's scary. It's scary as a minister because there's people that have sat under my ministry that I believe wholeheartedly I did everything that God would have led me and guided me to do. But it's like I see people drowning (laughs) in an ocean and although I stand here with my hand out, there's nothing that I can do if they don't reach back. Problem is they don't know they're drowning. They're blindfolded. A blindfold does a lot. These men, although blind, knew they needed more than vision. They knew they needed Jesus. We can't stop pursuing Jesus. We can't stop chasing after Jesus. I don't know about you, but I want to see glory. <laughs> Amen? We'll go there. I I'll, 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 I'll want to see glory what it's like when I walk through the gates of heaven and there's loved ones that wrap my arms around some love. just down there loved. I'm ready to have nothing to do all day but stand at a keyboard and perfectly play without missing a note and sing my guts out With all creation worshiping with me. I'm ready to see. I don't know that I even will be able to see it. I'm ready to experience the glory of the Lord in a way that I've never experienced it before. One that, as John said, I fell on my face because I saw the Lord. who in the world are we and what kind of selfish people are we if I don't want to take somebody with me? It's useless for me to go. And I ain't so sure I do get to go if I don't try to attempt at least in some way to fulfill the Great Commission to go and make disciples. Because if I'm not pursuing that, then my heart has to be hardened to some extent. Who am I to not want to take somebody with me? God, let us pursue you. Let us chase after you. Let us realize, God, that we need the fullness of you in our life and by our faith. Let it be done so that we can make Jesus famous. Father, Lord, I love you. Lord, I thank you for your word. And I thank you for your presence here today. Father, I thank you for every person in the room, watching online that would hear a podcast later. Father, I thank you. Lord, I believe today, as simple as this little four-verse passage is, God, I believe this truths to be taken out of it for our life. First of all, God, we have to pursue you. Regardless of what life throws at us, regardless of what it looks like, regardless of whether it's convenient or not, regardless of whether it feels good, regardless of whether it looks good or sounds good or tastes good or smells good, God, we've got to pursue you with everything we are. Lord, let us never stop pursuing you. God, we realize that it's not actually what we see or, or maybe uh, in this, their situation physically what we can't see. It's not the, 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 the temporal thing, God, that we need, but it's the eternal thing that we need from you. We don't need the physical healing. We don't need the physical touch, God, but we need the spiritual healing. We need spiritual wholeness, God. We need your presence in our life. Lord, let us have the faith as big of a, as big as a mustard seed, Lord and as your word tells us that faith as big as a mustard seed can move mountains God I believe if we've got that faith according to that faith you'll let it be done to us God you'll pour out your presence on us Lord and give us the opportunities and then the boldness by the power of the Holy Spirit to make you famous it's not about us let us testify Lord we can't keep this to ourselves. We can't keep the joy of the Lord to ourselves, God, we've got to testify. We've got to tell somebody. Lord, I can't wait to the day when I get to go to glory and I get to leave this foreign place, God, that I'm here, that I'm stuck at earth. God, I can't wait till I get to, to join you in the heavens. God, but I want to take somebody with me. Lord, I hope I take several busloads with me. Father, moving us. Thank you, Lord. Can we take a few moments here today to evaluate our life? Maybe we quit pursuing. It's an opportunity for us to ask your forgiveness, Lord. Maybe we've lost that drive to get back up after we've fallen because we're chasing you blindly. God, maybe we've lost that unction to get up. Father, forgive us. Empower us by the Spirit. Give us that unction, that enthusiasm again. Father, let us have the faith to be made whole. Not only to be made whole, but to see miracles taking place all around us. God, I believe that you're still doing signs and wonders and and miracles all around God, but it's up to our faith that it be done to us and be done through us. Lord, we do all this to make you famous. To spread your love to the people around us. Lord, I thank you and I praise you. Would you take just a minute, family, and just thank the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You're worthy, God. I Praise your name, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for letting us see that although I was blind, Father, Lord you you let me see. Thank you God. Hallelujah. Father, I pray blessings on your people. Bless them. Keep them. Lord, let your face shine on them. Give them grace and peace. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen.